All views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals participating and do not necessarily represent those of the Department of the Air Force or the Department of Defense. Welcome everyone to the Detachment 835 podcast. We've been on hiatus for a little bit, but um, welcome. We have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Sam Eckholm, former United States Air Force uh, Public Affairs Officer and here today on the Dead 835 podcast. Sam, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm, I'm glad I'm kind of the first back after the hiatus. I'm a little nervous though. It's like now oh, I got well. big shoes to fill, right? Well, I'm <laughs> sure you'll fill it very well. Um, well. We'll try, yeah. So it's interesting actually... You know, you did your ROTC interview here in this building. I did. As I was driving in this morning, I was like looking at my phone, you know, which you dropped me the pen, and then it just like all came back. I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, it was. I guess it's been probably eight years now, but yeah, I was a senior in, I guess, I don't know, whatever time frame that was, mm-hmm. senior in high school, and, and drove right in here to do my ROTC interview. Um, and it went well. I mean, I, I think I, I think I got some sort of scholarship, which was really cool. Um, but ultimately, I did decide to go to the Air Force Academy route. But mm-hmm. um, ROTC is like near and dear to my heart. I've spoken to a lot of different detachments over the years. Um, you know, when, when people ask me, hey, which route should I go to be an officer? I always pitch ROTC like equal with the Academy because I'm like, hey, man, like you get the normal college life. Right. You get like when you graduate, you're the same like Academy, OTS, ROTC, you're all second lieutenants. Mm-hmm. So um, fantastic route all the way around and just uh, honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I, you know, as I was telling you earlier, you know, when you sent me that email back, uh, I was laying in bed, I was about to go to sleep and I physically jumped out of bed. I made you take a <laughs> screenshot, I sent it to a few buddies and I was like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you're here. So well, I love that. And I love that you're a public affairs like officer within the debt. Yes. So to all the other debts who might be watching this, <laughs> this is how you do PA right here. You take some shots, you send some emails, you make it happen. And no, it's great to be here. And thanks for inviting me. Of course, sir. So if you don't mind just giving us a little bit of a background for those who might not know. Yeah. So um, I guess this is like the first time I can say I'm a former Air mm-hmm. Force uh, officer. I just uh, got out. I separated at the end of the year. So couple couple months back um but um yeah so i grew up here in the area i grew up in, in dallas and uh, ended up going to the air force academy my dad was an academy grad he was a pilot so i was like hey that's what i want to do um, was very interested in rotc as well and um you know long story short we can go into more of that if you want but um i always thought i wanted to be a pilot right just like my dad just like i know a lot of cadets like being a pilot was what i wanted to do but along the way some of that kind of changed um you know, I was looking at like the time commitment pilots have to serve. I was looking at, you know, really where you can go, what the lifestyle is. And although it was super exciting, I, I realized that for me and, and what I was kind of looking for, it might make sense to, to explore one of the other uh, career fields the Air Force has to offer, which at the time I literally thought it was pilot or nothing. And then right. I just, my eyes were opened up to how many different career fields there are in the Air Force. And so um, when I was at the academy towards my senior year, I started figuring out that, hey, this public affairs job is something I'd want to do. You know, they're out there with with the media, they're doing social media, they're doing videos, they're doing photos, they get to fly an aircraft too, fo- you know, documenting different stuff. And it seemed really, really cool to me. So long story short, I put in for public affairs, was very lucky to get it. And then I like to say had probably one of the most, I think just one of the coolest uh, active duty experiences ever. Um, you know, my first assignment was to the F-22 Raptor demonstration team right. at Langley Air Force Base, which was amazing. Traveled all over the world for two years. And um, along the way, I started also documenting my experiences as well. I wanted to give back and show people out there, show kids, show students 
that here are the opportunities in the Air Force. Um, I've always loved telling stories, making videos, and so kind of did that on my personal side and was lucky to have some success there. Um, we, can, we can chat a little bit more about that too. But uh, yeah, that kind of led me to where I am today. So recently separated to pursue the the, the content creation full time, um, you know, hopefully continue to inspire kids to want to join the military and um, just gives me more ability to do that now. Nice. So what was your major at uh, USAFA? Yeah, great question. So uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Air Force Academy, right, they really push the math, science, engineering, right? And for me, I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't necessarily want to do that. Right. And so luckily, though, the Academy, um, you know, just like you guys at ROTC, there are other majors you can do. Um, and so I, I explored a couple different ones and ended up falling on uh, legal studies, which is kind of interesting, right? Because a lot of people are like, oh, why didn't you join the JAG Corps? Why don't you a JAG if you're legal studies? And, you know, I think I was just probably tired of school at that point. I was like, I don't know if I want to do another four years of school after right. this. But legal studies was fantastic. I actually joined the mock trial team at the academy. So I was able to, like, travel on the weekends, compete against different schools. Um, and really, the law was very interesting to me. It was something that I still kind of use today, just like, you know, day to day. It's like was a good foundation to have. So. Right. You know, one thing that's really cool about the Air Force is that you don't need to be a specific major for almost any career field minus a few, like your engineers, if you want to be like a civil engineer, right. if, of course, if we want to go to like medical school or something like that. But, you know, I get a lot of questions from, from students, from kids out there who watch my videos and they, they kind of think of me as a recruiter and they're, they're always asking like, hey, Sam, like what major do I need to do to be a pilot? Do I need to do this, this? I'm like, no, you really don't. You can be any major. And I know there might be some stipulations with like certain ROTC scholarships yeah. and you have to do like a STEM type of major, but you know, for the most part, you can be anything and that's really cool. Very nice. So you mentioned a mock trial that you did at USAFA. Yeah. How does that work? Is there like all sorts of organizations like that? Because when I think of USAFA, I just think, you know, Air Force, Air Force, Air Force. <laughs> but if there's mock trial, is there like more, you know, other organizations like that? Yeah, it's a common misconception that the Air Force Academy is like a military school 24-7. So I like to say what ROTC is, so your two, three days a week where you guys are doing your L labs or doing your PT, we essentially do that every day. But just like you guys here, your entire day is not necessarily military here. You might hang out, then you go home at the end of the day, right? So we have like a normal college life it's just, it's it's not exactly the typical college life. So no, I mean, the academy has a division one football team, mm -hmm. basketball, soccer, baseball. I mean, we've like over 30 intercollegiate sports, cheerleaders, clubs. I mean, it's a, it's a typical college. There are tons and tons of clubs and cadet activities and from skiing to theater to like literally all of those things, which is, which is cool. Um, and so yeah, mock trial is one of them. And it's just a club that you do after school, just like you guys probably have your clubs around here, at UNT or U yeah. UTD where you go and you're able to sign up for it. And, and absolutely. So that was one thing that really drew me into the Academy is like, yes, it is more on the extreme than ROTC in terms of the military stuff you're getting, right. but it's not like you're only doing basic training for four straight years, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So there were a lot of opportunities there, not to mention the stuff in the summer, you know, jumping out of planes, and which, by the way, ROTC cadets can do too, because I had several go through it with me. So again, it's like, man, whatever option you choose, it's like you come out pretty much the same, right. in my opinion, yeah. So is it true that at the academy, everyone has to play a sport or has to do a sport? <clears throat> Good question. So they like to advertise that, but I, the word sport is kind of used loosely, like, you don't all have to be like on a division one intercollegiate team competing against like Alabama. Like right. that's not what it means. It means you just have to be athletic. So 
Um, just like you guys, right? You guys have to take like a PT test yep. each semester. So we have a modified, um, it, it's a little bit, it's kind of, it's not the typical Air Force test. It's a, it's, I don't know, it's pretty rigorous in my mind, but we have to do that physical fitness test and, and AFT aerobic fitness test once a semester. But then yes, you have to play a sport because they want you to be a part of a team. But that can either mean an intercollegiate team, that can mm -hmm. mean a club team, which is kind of under intercollegiate, right. or at a bare minimum, it just means you're playing intramural sports. So each, each in the spring and in the fall, you play intramural. So your, your squadron of cadets will go out and compete against other squadrons. And it's a lot more, um, you know, not as like serious, but, uh, but yeah. And that was, a, I loved intramurals because it's like, hey, what other school do you go where like literally every student is competing against each other right. and like playing sports. Right. So yeah, it was really fun. So I guess jumping into it, why did you choose, you know, if you were already here, yeah. already, I guess you did get that scholarship. Yeah. Why did you choose ESAFA? Great question. Um, so for me, like the ultimate goal is to become an officer in the Air Force, right? And so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting all my eggs in one basket. Right. Like, you know, you know, the academy is very competitive and there was no guarantee I was going to get in. And if I didn't get in, then my next option um, was going to be ROTC. And at some point, you know, I'm not trying to say the academy, like ROTC was my backup. Like literally ROTC might have been my primary. I just wanted to have the options. Right. Um, also, I think it's good when you're applying. I tell this to everyone wanting to go to ROTC. I'm like, hey, you should look into the academy also. And I tell everyone that wants to go to the academy, you should look into ROTC also. Because they're good backup plans, both of them, and they also show the admissions office, they show the ROTC board panel that like you are committed to being an Air Force officer, mm -hmm. no matter how you get there. So right. for me, um, the academy ultimately was the decision I made for, for a couple different reasons. You know, obviously my dad, obviously like, um, you know, at the time I wanted to be a pilot and, and, you know, they have a larger number of pilot slots in general in terms of the entire mm -hmm. cadet wing each year. Right. Um, and so that made a lot of sense for me. Um, but yeah, ROTC was like, you know, I remember when I was a freshman and like, you know, the academy freshman year was like, oh, like, oh my God, it's so tough. All the rules, all the regulations, everything you have to do. And I, I remember sitting there and night, I was like, I should have done ROTC. I was like, what did I do? I could literally not be doing this right, right now, but you know, uh, I, I'm excited. I'm happy with my choice. And you know, it's, they always say the academy is a great place to be from, not a great place to be at, <laughs> you know, take that as you, as you may. I've never but. heard that one before. It, <laughs> yeah. That's you know, a, that's exclusive for you guys here at UNT. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting that you mentioned that. Cause you know, I mentioned to my friends that I'm doing this whole air force thing and they don't really see me doing that stuff, yeah. you know, cause it's early morning and sometimes yeah. I'm coming back really late at night. Um, yeah, they see you. Maybe you guys wear your uniforms like once a week right. to school, and that's yep. it. They're like, "What exactly. do you do?" Yeah. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where not a lot of people know about it. Mm -hmm. ROTC. You know, I even here at UNC where this detachment's at. Yeah. Right, uh, some cadets here walk around in uniform. Like, wait, are you like you know army or what? You yeah. Know? Are you like active duty yeah, right like, now? Well, it's like, oh, why are you guys yeah. here? You know, um, especially at UTD where there's only like six of us. Mm -hmm. It's it's really a culture shock for I guess some people. Yep. Um, and it's really interesting to see that uh, and try and spread that word um, to them that this is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, I'll give an, an example or an analogy. I guess is a uh, I was at a career fair um, and I was in line for I think it was Raytheon to try and you know nice. <laughs> try and get that internship. Um, but uh, I was talking to a guy next to me and he was. I think he was going to Navy OTS, like he had a class date and everything, um, and he, or I guess it's OCS for Navy, I believe it yeah, is. Yeah, one of the two. Anyways, um, one of the guys behind me then, he heard that I was ROTC, he was like, hey, no way, we have an ROTC here at UTD, and um, I was like, well, it's not at UTD, it's at UNT, but you know, you st I, st I go here, mm -hmm. 
and I will get my commission through UNT. And he was like, that's really cool. You know, I was looking at ROTC schools when I was applying to colleges. I couldn't find one, so that's why I came to UTD. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why I really wanted this job as PAO for the cadet wing is, you know, spread the word to people um, about ROTC, about UNT ROTC, mm-hmm. the opportunities, you know, meeting people like you, <laughs> um, and having the creative control too. And uh, I guess that goes into my next question, you know, with your YouTube, you know, you have, I think it's around 300,000 subscribers. If, yeah. Is that right? Um, you know, when you are on those low points in your life, how do you get that creative drive? What, where do you drive your inspiration from? Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I'd say a lot of different things, and it's kind of changed over the years too, right? And I've, I, I tell people I really feel like just now I've kind of started to settle into what my style is and what my, my drive is. And, um, yeah, I mean, the coolest thing is, right, is like when I get to post videos highlighting other career fields, I, I think um, the Air Force, you know, doesn't always do the best job of um, – you know, packaging up like how many cool opportunities there are, just like what we were talking about, right. in a way that the younger generation can understand, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. It's hard to like target the the Gen Zers, the younger kids out there right. who who are on, you know, all these different types of social media platforms. And that's what fired me up initially is like I want to give people, you know, the cool videos, the cool social media stuff to make the decision to be like, hey, I want to join because I think there's just such a big pool out there that right. don't even know ROTC exists, the exactly. academy exists, joining active duty exists, and you know I wanted to change that. So that's how it started is I just started making videos. Like my very first video I filmed, um, it was at Langley Air Force Base. My buddy was flying T-38s there because um, they're the aggressor squadron, so they fly against the right. F-22 Raptor. And um, I was able to get a ride in the back seat of the T-38, and I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I just like put a GoPro up here and then like film on the ground? I gave, gave one of my other friends mm-hmm. a camera, and you know, I posted that video, and, you know, I had some background in, in videography, and so, you know, it's it a pretty good video, and, like, um, I posted that, and I'll never forget, like, it, it went, like, viral. It would, right. like, did over a million views in, like, a week, and um, the amount of feedback I got from that, from people who were like, oh, this is so cool, like, how do I join, like, how can I do this, and I was like, wow, I'm really onto something here, like, I think I can kind of just use my passion and my personality and, and tell these different stories across the Air Force, and now it's even branched out to other branches as well, right? And um, so to answer your question, the, the drive for me is, is seeing the, my viewers drop a comment, shoot me a message, shoot me an email, and they're like, hey, Sam, watching your videos is the reason I decided to join, or, or watching your video helped me understand that there is this path for me, that, that there is this career field for me. Like, there, I, you know, I'm struggling with my life. I don't know what I want to do after right. high school. I know I want to do something, but, like, man, that looks so cool. And, and being able to help, you know, kind of, uh, inspire people to want to join like that that's what keeps me going um, and keeps me making these videos it's pretty cool yeah i think on tiktok you have six hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah, funny because I, I started that as like you know because i don't do tiktok's crazy to me but i was like hey there's people on that platform that don't watch youtube videos right, right? some people don't like the long form and they just like the quick short form stuff so i just wanted to be able to for my stuff to be seen across every platform so i started that and video started taking off and yeah. taking off so it's crazy like people like will come up to me sometimes and be like oh man sam i love your youtube videos and then i'll get people to be like sam i love your tiktok stuff who have no idea i'm even on youtube right. so i really just kind of look at them as all like independent platforms mm-hmm. and uh you know just give people on 
you know, what they want to see no matter where they're watching their stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess my next question then is uh, you're uh, – stop me if it's not yeah. okay to ask you this. Uh, yeah. You're in a relationship with another content creator. Yeah. Is that right? Swain, yeah. Yep, Swain Martin. Swain Martin. So uh, I love his videos, by the way. Do you? Yeah, awesome. So uh, how does – how does that work? You know, both of you are traveling, <laughs> you know, how do you keep up a relationship like that? Yeah. So Swain, for, for those of you who don't know, he's uh, he's more on the general civilian aviation side of things. So he's a content creator. He's now a pilot at United Airlines mm-hmm. and makes videos all over the world. So, um, yeah, a lot of people who I, who I see through the military, through ROTC yep. doing stuff like this, watch his stuff also. And they're like, that's what I want to do after I get out <laughs> of the Air Force, which is cool. And yeah, I met Swain through through my job on the Raptor demo team. We met at the Oshkosh Air Show up in Wisconsin, which nice. is one of the biggest air shows in the world. And um, our team was performing, and then he was also there speaking on like a social media panel. And we just had so much in common, um, and so we kind of clicked. And I guess the rest is history. So yeah, it's. Um, it's very interesting because you know some some relationship experts are like you don't want to be doing the same thing as your your partner because right. then it like meshes and clicks. But I look at it as like a huge plus because it's nice that we can talk about the same stuff. Like if I was doing this, this social media content creation and you know someone who has no idea what I'm doing, it's hard to like go to them for advice, for right. feedback, to vent stuff exactly. like that. So it's been nice. And then you know we just have to set a couple ground rules. Like okay, we're sh- we're shutting the social media talk off at this time. Like this is our time to hang out. And you know, um, but no net net, it's been a huge plus. And um, yeah, it's just awesome to have someone I can bounce ideas off of. Cool. So I guess he's traveling a lot. You used to travel a lot. Yeah. You know how did that work so i actually travel i would say like more now because when i was in the air force i would you know save up my leave and save up my time and work with my leadership to to be able to go do these videos on my side and now now it's my full time it's like constantly you know i'm traveling working on different video products as well so yeah um what's cool about him being an airline pilot is you know um for those of you who don't know as an airline pilot you can fly for free right (laughs) like you can fly on your airline if there's space open it's called non-revving space available um, and then also you can give your uh, like a companion pass to someone as well. So funny story I like to tell. My dad is an American Airlines pilot. You know, I said he was a former, he flew KC-135s in the Air Force, then flew to, flew to American, um, which is why I'm from Dallas. Um, and as his son, I was able to have airline benefits up until I turned 24 years old. So nice. when you turn 24, the airline cuts off your benefits to fly for free as a kid. So I lost my benefits, but met Swain like two days after I turned 24 and nice. then was able to hop on his benefits flying for free on his airline. So really, there's been no overlap of being able to fly for free in like a long time. Very so convenient. yeah, now I can't use those benefits for like business travel, unfortunately. But to answer your question of like how I like manage all our travel, how busy we are, um, it helps that he can travel for free and come see me. Like, right. You know, when we were on the demo team, like performing in Singapore or Thailand or wherever we were, um, he would be able to like hop on a flight and actually right. come out and visit me, which was really, really cool. I mean, the demo team was your first assignment. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be really cool. Yeah. So it was something I didn't even know was a possibility or could happen. But, um, you know, kind of advice I like to share to people is like, hey, if there's something you want to do, like shoot for it. So my first assignment was to Langley Air Force Base. Um home of the first fighter wing the f-22 raptors and we got an f-35 here but uh you know i'm letting that slide right now yeah Yeah, i'm just kidding i love the (laughs) f-35 but uh yeah so i got there and it was funny i remember like it was my first week so newly butter bar second lieutenant 
we were doing office PT. So we were running. The base at Langley has this beautiful outdoor um, jogging trail that like goes, because Langley's on the East Coast right over the water. And so it's beautiful outdoor track and it's right around the flight line. And so my whole office was doing morning PT and um, all of a sudden this F-22 takes off in the morning, right? Remember, it's like my first week right. ever in the Air Force. And it doesn't just take off and go fly its normal mission, like typically takeoffs, right? It starts like doing like 9G turns and tail slides right. and hoover pitches and all these maneuvers and i'm like i've never seen this before i'm like what is going on my eardrums are like ruptured it's like oh let's go and then my boss at the time was like oh yeah that's the that's the raptor demo team so there's one of them assigned here one f-22 pilot that their whole job is to go travel around the world to put on air shows and fly this aircraft and they're based here and i was like oh my god that's so cool what and she's like my boss was like yeah and actually we send someone from this pa office our office to be assigned to that team because they need PA support um, around, you know, as part of their job. And so right then I was like, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> and it was crazy because at the time it really wasn't an officer position. It was more of an enlisted position because they need to be able to do photography and video mm -hmm. and social media and officers in public affairs don't really do that. They kind of lead the airmen who right. do that. They do more of the higher level strategic, like working with the commander on messaging, working with the off-base community, media engagements. They're not the ones like tactically doing the photo and video. But um, photography, video stuff's always been a passion of mine ever since I was in high school. So I kind of had some of those skills. And so um, kind of like all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Mm -hmm. No one else in my office wanted the job because it's demanding. You're having to travel TDY over right. 300 days a year. They had families. So the job was vacant. And um, I kind of raised my hand and I was like, hey, this is something I want to do. And luckily, I got the support from my leadership there and they gave me a shot. And boom, rest is history, man. So for nice. two years, yeah, my job was to travel around with the F-22, the world's most technologically advanced fighter jet, the coolest aircraft ever, most beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. And um I just got to do some amazing things. So built up their social media, made so many videos. Um, I was also in charge of doing all the community outreach events. So mm -hmm. every air show we'd go, we would talk to a handful of local high schools, JROTC units. We'd come to ROTC detachments if there was a local college in the area. So I'd set all that up. I'd do media engagements. You know, we did Super Bowl flyovers. We filmed a movie with Chris Pratt because they needed like an F-22. If you guys have seen The Tomorrow War, like we filmed a scene in that movie. Like that was a really cool experience. We went to shows in Hawaii, Alaska, Chile, Singapore, Dubai, um, in addition to so many U.S. shows. And it was just so cool to be able to use the platform. Um, and anticipating maybe your next question, a lot of people ask like, hey, what was your most rewarding experience? What's really cool is the F-22 is a secretive aircraft, right? It's highly classified right. for the most part. Like, we haven't shown it off to the public too much. But this one team and this one jet, like, that was the opportunity mm -hmm. to do it. So to me, I viewed my job as the PAO for the demo team is, like, my opportunity to give back to the world right. of, like, hey, let me pull back the curtain and show you how cool this platform is. So I took it, like, as a huge burden, like, a huge task for mm -hmm. me to make the coolest content ever. And I wanted to just spend those two years going as hard as I possibly could, making right. the coolest possible content possible. And I think we did that. I mean, man, we I left the team with, oh man, I think I took over. We had like 10,000 Instagram followers and I left with like you know, close to what was it, like 200,000, something like that. I mean, just tried to just go all, all in. Um, and it was amazing just seeing the reaction from kids who saw those videos and would come up at air shows and just be so amazed. And 
um, yeah, it was really, really rewarding. I guess that shows the power of public outreach, especially in the yeah. military, you know. That kid is probably going to want to be a pilot in the Air Force now. Yeah, and we're talking recruiting, but, like, if you think about the military as a whole, man, it's, like, it's so secretive. Like, no no one knows what's going on. Right. That's that's why public affairs exist. It's to package up all the different mission sets and airmen all over the world and everything we're doing and to, like, actually translate that in a way that the general public can understand. Right. Like, we are just communicators in public affairs, so we, like, package that up and then translate it in a language that people can understand, yep. and so... My job on the demo team was to do that for the Raptor. Normal public affairs are doing that for their base, for their wing, for their mission, no matter what aircraft they have or who they have there. And it's incredibly important because the public, the taxpayers, that's how the military's funded. Right. From a recruiting perspective, that's how you get people to join. There aren't many people joining the military if you don't have like cool, sexy social media stuff. Maybe if your dad was in the military, you right. join, but you really kind of got to keep showing kids what are the opportunities, what's the, what's the potential that you can do and what, that you can have. And yeah. that's kind of where I found my passion so that's pretty cool yeah so uh I saw recently on your Instagram you reposted I think it was a picture from Insider I think it was <laughs> uh and it was one of your shots yeah uh in relation to the recent you know spy balloons and all that yeah how does that feel you know, having your <laughs> picture being broadcast to the world yeah it's funny that was like a little nostalgic for me because you know I've kind of moved on with my career I'm doing a lot of other stuff not just f-22 related but yeah I got my start you know taking photos at air shows of the f-22 and um, like I said because there aren't too many photos out there of the f-22 that are like for the public domain like through right. the military and so you know from time to time anytime there's a big story that comes out on the f-22 or something like a lot of times they'll use like one of my photos because you got to remember I took thousands of photos over the years and so my name kind of populates towards the top so that was cool someone sent that to me obviously the F-22 has been in the news lately shooting down some crazy stuff in the in the air and uh, so yeah they, they posted one of mine and I was like hmm, this is cool yeah and I'm glad they gave me credit in the caption which is always good a lot of times they're just like Psh. and I'm like <laughs> I recognize that one but no it's it's fine how's cool. that so I guess jumping off what you just said yeah. the credit you yeah know, I guess with Air Force pictures, you know, you're taking pictures for the Air Force. Yep. Do they own the pictures? Are they still your pictures? I'm yeah, sorry. great question. So the Air Force has this database. Actually, all the branches of the military do. It's called DIVIDS, the Defense Visual Information Database. So anytime you take a photo as like a public affairs officer, an airman, you do not own those photos. The Air Force owns them, right? Okay. And so you have to upload them to this database, which is like a big iCloud, big Flickr page, like a big just digital album where right. anyone can go and search a keyword and then download those photos and use them however they see fit. So that's where they pulled it from. It's just from this website called Dibbids where they're able to use it. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, you know, your commander really pushed you to, yeah. join, uh, or to, I guess, apply for the demo team. When you started doing your YouTube and all that sort of stuff, what kind of pressure did you feel from your leadership? in in doing your own job and also, uh, you know, trying to push your interests, but also making sure you do your job. Yeah, well, you hit on it right there. I wanted, when I started doing the, the social media stuff on my own, I wanted to make sure that I never gave a commander or supervisor a reason to say, stop doing that because you're not doing your main job the way you should. Right. So I would, when I started doing the YouTube, I actually cranked the throttle to like 150% to make sure I was absolutely crushing it in everything right. in my public affairs job. So that way there was no reason, no, I would give no ammo to anyone to be like, hey, you can't do this or shouldn't be doing this because mm -hmm. you're taking too much time. So my life was crazy, dude. I would literally like come home, 
our air show schedule is insane. We literally leave on a Tuesday, get to the air show on Wednesday, practice day Thursday, air show Friday, air show Saturday, air show Sunday, fly back on Monday, have a little bit of Tuesday off and then repeat. So I would work on my stuff. Maybe if we'd have an off week or I'd come home at 6 p.m. for my day at the, at the base working and then I'd stay up to like midnight or 1 a.m. working on my mm-hmm. YouTube editing and then I'd like go to sleep and do it again. You right. know what I mean? Um, so really, you know, I just I worked really hard and essentially no lifed it and didn't sleep. Um, <laughs> but hey, it's like no secret, like the Air Force encourages airmen to share their stories. Like if you go to the home page of the Air Force's website, it's like airmen are encouraged to share their stories in the throughout their career because it might inspire someone else to join. And I was right. like a big proponent of that. Like, of course, you don't want to be sharing anything classified right. or like breaking rules. But like, no, we should be documenting our stories because like that's how you get other people to join. Like mm-hmm. that's how you inspire other people to want to serve. Um, so I just did mine, I think, on a more uh, like more professional, like higher quality type of style, but it's the same principle, right? And everyone has hobbies, right? Like I remember my commander one time who, you know, was supporting me and, and doing the YouTube stuff. He was telling someone else who had a couple questions. He was like, what Sam is doing is literally no different than me going to do jujitsu every Wednesday night or going rock climbing. Like that's, that's a hobby. His right. hobby is making these videos and he does it on his own time. And so, um, yeah, you just had to make sure that you were, you, were, you know, not crossing any lines and make sure you're still killing it in your main job. Cool. So like demo team's not a big team, is it? You know, how many, yeah. how many people is that? So we have two aircraft, but they don't both fly. So we take our, we only have one pilot who's qualified to fly the demo. Right. And then we take two aircraft though, in case the first one has a maintenance issue. That way okay. we can still fly the chef. So two aircraft, two pilots, one's the primary pilot and the other is the, the backup pilot, right. but they're not backup in terms of flying the demo. It just means they fly the other jet right. into the, into the show. And then we have about 13 people on the team. So we've got a, a chief, um, we call them a team chief, but they're usually like a tech sergeant or master sergeant level. Then we've got our superintendents, usually master sergeant or a senior. And then we've got um, just a bunch of maintenance folks, right? I mean, you'd think the F-22 like doesn't break because it's so futuristic looking. Like, no, nah, that thing breaks a ton, right. right? You gotta have good, good professional maintenance people. So. We've got crew chiefs, we've got avionics people, so they work with all the stuff dealing with like the, the cockpit and the, the radar and the stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got aircrew flight equipment who manages the pilot's helmet and G-suit and right. oxygen masks and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, we've got um, really, I guess myself is public affairs. And then each of those roles will have like, like for example, there's like five or six maintainers. So we travel with nine, total on the team's 13, so it gives people a few off breaks. And then, yeah, I mean, people ask how we travel. Like, are we flying on C-17s or something like that? Like, really? No. I mean, most of the time we were flying like Southwest, Delta, United. <laughs> so we'll show up to the airport with like 30 checked bags right. of like wrenches and tools and t-shirts and patches. And we'll just check them and fly to our show. And wow. then we'll meet the F-22 there and nice. they'll still land and rinse and repeat. I know other demo teams, I think the Thunderbirds, they have like their own dedicated plane, right? (laughs) Yeah, so for reference, the Thunderbirds, um, which is the Air Force's premier aerial demonstration team, right? Um, They have a team of over a hundred for every show. So essentially they like 10X our team's size. And so yes, because they bring all their equipment and everything, it makes sense for them to have like a dedicated C-130 or C-17 to travel on. But we don't don't have that luxury. (laughs) Very cool. So... When you are doing these side projects, or side projects, I guess you could say, um, how how do you set those up? You know, with me to you, I just emailed you. Yeah. I didn't expect a response, but yeah. here we are today. You know, with all the opportunities <laughs> you've gotten, right? How 
how does that happen? You know, once did you, once you reached a certain level of popularity, I guess we could say, yeah. did they start reaching out to you yeah. or do you still reach out? Great primarily? question. Yeah. Well, I think it all boils down to shoot your shot, man. Like you just said, you sent me an email. I was like, Hey, of course I'm going to reply to you. Um, maybe not everyone is like that, but in my mind, if you just shoot your shot, you'll get, you know, eventually you'll get yeses. Right. right? So that's how it started for me is, you know, um, I was like, Hey, would you mind if I filmed like a video on this? And they'd maybe tell me no. And then I'd try another unit or another mission or another whatever. And, um, I told you my first video was my, my buddy just flying in the T 38. And that was literally just like, I handed a random person a camera. Um, there's a lot of people in the military who, you know, are posting about their job or like flying with GoPros if they're pilots or something like that. And so it was just kind of my spin on that. Right. And then because that video did so well that, yeah, it got some eyeballs. And then actually the Navy, because um, I was at Langley Air Force Base and there's a big Navy down in Norfolk, big mm-hmm. Navy base there. And so um, their squadron saw my video and wanted me to come out to make a video on their helicopter. So I came out and did a video on the MH-53, um, which for those of you who play like Call of Duty, it's like the Pavlo. It's like the Navy's equivalent. So it's a super cool helicopter. And so I uh, was able to come out and do that. And then that video did really well. And then it's kind of like a snowballing effect where, right. yeah, more and more people are, are seeing this stuff. And so luckily now, yeah, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm very fortunate to have more units reaching out to, to right. ask me to do videos than I actually have time to do. So I have to kind of be strategic and figure out what makes the most sense. When did you like realize that you made it? <laughs> I don't know if I still feel like I've made it. I have a couple goals I want to hit that that I'll don't want to share just okay, yet. Okay. But uh, um, I think, you know, that's a great question. I think when I just started really getting people messaging me that like, hey Sam, your videos are what inspired me to join, or like, hey Sam, I'm in basic training right now. I'm at BMT, and like, I want to thank you for for showing me, you know, motivating right. me to come here. Like that to me, I was like, oh wow, this is this is really really cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, my goal has never been to put the spotlight on myself. Like mm-hmm. I think of myself as like the host of the content. Right. I'm just the conduit for the video to exist. But if you look at my stuff, like I really just like interviewing the the airmen, the pilots, the crew, the whatever crew full it is, because I don't feel, I feel like they don't get enough spotlight. Like a lot of the times, um, and this isn't a knock on public affairs, but like PA is very busy. Like they have to keep up with the entire base and, right. you know, I was at a base that had five different wings and do you know how many aircraft and how many different people all wanted their their name in the spotlight and stories covered on them like they don't have enough time so I can kind of help out and and film these unique and engaging stories in a little bit of a different style and put the spotlight on these airmen or or whoever Um, and so yeah that's what I kind of try to do very nice very nice is there ever like a project that you really wanted to do but something came up and you it just yeah, I mean, I really wanted to be out there for the reveal of the new B-21 Raider. Um, but unfortunately, like, there's just a level to when people will let you have a camera right. around. And so that that didn't make the cut. And, you know, there's there's still stuff I want to do. But, like, logistically, it's just, it's hard. Um, for example, I wanted to do a video with the Navy on the the LCAC hovercraft. It's a really cool thing if you guys haven't seen it. It's like a big hovercraft boat that can, like, do beach landings. And it can launch, like, amphibious assault vehicles off of it. It's wild. Um but to film that video, it's very hard because you can't be on top. You have to be in this like bunker inside and like there really isn't much story to tell. So I really wanted to have my buddy who's like an FPV drone pilot, which just these cool drone type videos, like being a boat next to me flying. Right. And we essentially were like almost there, but then it came down that like to fly a drone next to a Navy vessel, you have to have like secretary of the Navy approval, which is crazy. And so 
it kind of died at that. And wow. so, you know, so I'll run into different issues with like certain things I want to do because I'm a big quality over quantity right. guy and I won't do a video if I can't make it the highest quality, most yep. engaging ever. And so, yeah, that kind of, um, I'm still, I still think we can find a way to get to yes, but right now that, that's been tabled because like we couldn't get approval right. for it. Yeah. Is that something that happens often? You know, you face these weird rules that... Yeah, well, luckily now I kind of know most of the rules that exist. Like, for example, um, by the time this probably comes out, you guys have seen that I just posted a new F-22 video. It's actually coming out on Saturday. I went down to the Hawaii Air National Guard and filmed super cool video on the Raptor. Um, it was like my dream project after, you know, full circle moment for right. me. Um, and there are specific rules of what you can film around the F-22. Like, you can't be closer than 20 feet to the aircraft with the camera. Like, you just can't, like, point blank simple. You can't shoot certain angles, like, right. down the nose, up the jet, uh, the engine. Um, I knew that from my time on the demo team. And so um, I think that kind of helps me stand out a little bit as, like, the units know that I'm not just some random guy off right. the street. Like, I have the experience. I kind of know the security limits. And so um, I'm, I'm usually able to work around that. Like, I understand the process. Like, any video you guys are seeing out there has been thoroughly reviewed by, like, literally a dozen people like there is nothing you're seeing that is not okay and i always make sure to offer that to my units i'm like you guys will get to review this multiple times i've blurred stuff i've taken stuff out i've deleted like there's tons of stuff that doesn't make the final video because it's just not allowed and i work with the units right. through that yeah i think uh smarter smarter every day he yeah this youtube uh series over some submarine i can't remember what yeah. class it was i remember seeing that and i was shocked Cause it was like you know a submarine is super secretive that's the yeah. whole point of it yeah um and the fact that he got in and filmed those i don't think that would have happened you know maybe like 10 years ago is that something yeah like culture yeah dustin smart every day he makes yeah. he makes awesome stuff um yeah it, it's funny because the end product you're seeing i will just say is like probably sometimes 10 percent of what actually either right. we filmed or like is the actual thing so i went actually to fort worth texas last summer um, to film a video on the F-35 mm -hmm. uh, with at Lockheed Martin's facility, right. and it was like a it was like a how the F-35 is made type of video, and so the, the video you see the end product is just like a fraction of the actual like production plant, right. and that was something I just had to make the decision on if it was worth it because I, I wasn't allowed to bring my camera almost anywhere, yeah. um, but that's where I really have to get creative. It's like how can I make a story out of something I really can't see too much of. Um, same thing with like the E3 Century, like the AWACS. I filmed mm -hmm. a video out at Tinker Air Force Base on that aircraft. And I just really had to be strategic about how I'm going to tell this story because I wasn't able to show screens being on. I wasn't able to fly on the actual right. thing. So I had to just be creative. And that's always kind of fun for me is like, how can I do this with the access I have? Right. Now, luckily, I tend to get more and more access as I've gone on because people kind of understand right. um, and, and know that they can trust me. Like, I'm not some Russian spy out there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's always a struggle. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you mentioned that it helps when you have a little bit of a groundwork. Mm -hmm. And that's why I appreciate you being here so much is because it gives credibility to, you know, this podcast, yeah. this, this organization, too. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, yesterday we had our class and one of uh, my fellow cadets was sharing the story how this um, – I think it was a marine recruiter called her and was like you want to join the marines obviously and she said no you know i'm doing air force rotc and the marine recruiter was like it's not a scam like are you sure this is actually going to work and so you know this organization sometimes doesn't seem like serious yeah interesting because you know we go out there with our rubber duckies you know shooting uh shooting yeah quote um and we have these war games happening and you know we have to contact 
UNC police whenever we bring those out and all that stuff. It's interesting how many levels it ties to, you know, having credibility. Um, how did you build that? Like, obviously your videos helped, but is there anything in your mannerisms or your personality that helped that? Yeah, I mean, a couple different things to unpack there. We talked earlier about, hey, just shooting your shot, right? Um, like you said, you know, me giving this podcast credibility. Right. Like, I was that kid once, man, like making my first video with zero credibility. Right. And I had to, someone just had to take a chance on me and, and let me do it. And so I'd say when you get that shot, knock it out of the park, right? right. Like, you're doing a great job right now, man. Thank but like, you. seriously, on other things in life too, is like, if you get that shot, if you get that opportunity, don't blow it. And so right. that was a big thing for me. I wanted to be prepared. So when I did have that shot, I didn't blow it. And so I like to say with that very first video I made, that could have gone one of two ways. It could have gone the way it did, which luckily it worked out, or right. it could have gone the complete other way where I was in a lot of trouble and like never make a video again. Right. Now I'm not endorsing doing the exact way I've done it because I I think I have done some things that probably I had to get a little lucky on. Yeah. Um, so figure out what makes most sense for you. But I think like as an, in a general life principle, especially for future officers, it's like take advantage of the opportunities offered and, and don't blow them when you are given opportunities first impressions are a huge huge thing in the air force yep. especially when you're a new officer so for you rotc students who are so excited to come in as a new butter bar and you're probably ready to lead i get it you spent four years in rotc like learning how to lead like being a follower like you're ready to lead you'll eat a little bit of a slice of humble pie when you realize that as a butter bar you're still probably a little bit of time away from actually doing some right. serious leadership. So, you know, I was told like be a sponge. So just make sure you soak it up when you get in, like l listen to your senior NCOs. Don't just like go full ROTC right. your mode and start bossing people around and, you know, take some time. So first impressions are big, but, but yeah, I mean, I've always just operated under the principle of like, when someone thinks of my name, I want them to immediately think of like professional, high quality, like a good reflection of the Air Force right. and the military. I will not put something out that is not up to that standard. Right. And I and I hold myself to that because I know that like, especially in the social media world, you can be canceled in a second. Yep. Like, and I don't want that to happen. So I'm very particular about what I do, and it's probably still a risk, and that's something I do, but. Uh, that I that I have to take but um yeah I'm just very careful and I, I'm very protective over the image and what I do and I want to make sure everything I put out is a positive reflection right. on the Air Force the Army the Navy no matter who I'm working with right I mean I think with a creative job like yours um risk is part of it yeah you know you could have this great idea and then something just doesn't click with people mm -hmm. um and that's you know that's something that I've had to deal with you know um is I'm, I'm looking at something for instance the text I sent you earlier yeah. this is a great example um, about you know whenever you showed up here I have a parking ticket uh, yeah. not ticket not pass. a parking ticket parking, parking pass, pass yes. yeah. here's, um, here's your ticket thanks uh, for visiting UNT's <laughs> detachment that would be funny um, but uh, you know I had someone else review that and they were like you know maybe it's a little bit too much and so I revised it and then I sent that to you yeah you know with what you just mentioned about listening to your senior NCOs and all that, you know, that's something that we hear a lot. Yeah, I know. I've probably, I've probably heard that a ton. And that's what's funny is like, I heard that so many times and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> but like, no, actually, for your own credibility, like when you get to your first base, minus the pilots, because the pilots really won't have any airmen under them and for right. another 10 years. But for everyone else, like go to your senior NCO and be like, hey, 
I want to learn from you. They'll love that. They will seriously love that. And then all the younger airmen will love that too because they look way more up to their chief than they look up to you as an officer because they see themselves in the in the chief. So it's a powerful thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I heard that advice so much too. And then, like, I actually realized it was, like, legit. Yeah. So did you have a senior NCO at, your, uh, at the demo team? Uh, well, so remember I was public affairs before right. I was on the demo team for a little bit of time. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we had a chief there, but no, there's a superintendent and a team chief on the demo team. Nice. And so, yeah, I, I made it very clear that I was there to work in support of them. Um, I didn't want to be some, cause typically, like I said, that wasn't an officer position. So right. I didn't want to come in and then feel like they then weren't in a position of leadership. So it depends on your career field and, right. and whatever you're doing. But, um, you know, outside of the typical advice, you know, you guys hear about going to your senior NCO, I just say, hey, be a sponge for the first X amount of time. Right. Like for me, a lot of career fields, you go to tech school first. Mm -hmm. So for public affairs, you actually go to your unit first, wait on your tech school date and then go back. So okay. I use that time to just really soak everything up and like figure out how public affairs worked, how the job worked. And you can apply that whether you're logistics, finance, right. contracting, anything. Just just really take the time to learn and then um, make some changes and start you know, mm -hmm. speaking up once you feel like you have a good understanding of how things work. Sure, yeah. Is there any projects that you think that you would like to do but maybe won't happen? Is, there, is that ever a mindset that you have or is it always hopeful? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anything right now that I don't think can happen i mean um i've got a big dream list big dream sheet in my phone of like video ideas i want to hit off and right. i'm just kind of like working through them um a lot of them take <laughs> i've realized a lot of time and money also like when you yeah. see these videos it's not just like me vlogging it's like no i've got like a team that's helping me film i got to pay for their travel out here okay i got to have editing help right. you know i used to do that all myself but to scale i've had to bring in some people to help and so um you know, putting all those pieces together and what makes the most sense. But, um, yeah, man, I mean this, this next year, you, I told you I'm working on a few special yep. projects right now that I don't want to share you just yet, but you know, once those are out, it's like, I'm pedal to the metal. I'm like grinding on this right. and I, I have some big expectations for myself and I really just want to make the coolest content possible out there. And I've got some awesome ideas. So you mentioned your team that you travel with. Yeah. How many people is that? So it's changed. When I first started, like that T-38 video we talked about, it was me and a camera that I gave to a random person, right? right? And then, you know, a couple other videos I've made, I would just kind of like vlog it, right? Because I didn't have the time or money to, to give it to anyone else or right. bring someone else out there. Um, you know, but now, especially as I've jumped full time into this, I've been able to bring a couple other shooters with me. So typically I'll have myself and I still shoot. I bring my camera, but a lot of times, you know, I'm on screen as well, so I can't right. really be filming. So then I'll have at least two, sometimes three other people. And that really helps to get different angles. So one of my favorite videos and most highest viewed performing videos when I fired the AC-130. Yeah. So I went out to Cannon Air Force Base for that. And I knew that was going to be a big video. Everyone loves the AC-130. So I invested in a couple other shooters because I really needed all these angles. Like, for example, think of one takeoff sequence. Okay, you need the guy filming me inside. You need GoPros in the cockpit, three, four GoPros in the cockpit, GoPros in the back for the crew, someone on the ground watching us taxi out, watching right. people pull chocks, marshal us out, someone on the flight line to watch us actually taking off. Yep. And then I need people on the ground that aren't flying with us so they can get us when we come back to land to get those types of right. shot and those angles. So like seriously, when you watch one of my videos, look at all the different angles and cuts. And even when I'm doing an interview, I like to have the main camera angle, I like to have a side camera right. angle whatever and so yeah i just want more and more angles and like different people to shoot and then um 
don't know if you watched my video I did on the S97 Raider helicopter. That was with Sikorsky. It was like the helicopter right. of the future. That was one of my biggest productions yet because I really wanted to do, the, to do that one in a cinematic style that right. almost felt like a movie trailer. Now, for YouTube, generally, you don't need to go that crazy. People aren't expecting that. But I really wanted to try this. So I brought, like, an actual production crew of, like, 13 people wow. out. I mean, I had a guy following me around with a boom mic. We had, like, four camera people, girl doing behind-the-scenes right. photos. It was really fun for me, especially for someone who came from just starting with, like, a vlog right. to have that. Now, I, I won't do that for every video because it doesn't make sense, and you don't need that a lot yep. of the time. But it, it does depend on the video topic and, and what I'm doing, and I'll – you know, invest, sometimes lose a lot of money depending on a video just because I want it to be that level right. of quality. Well, I guess that speaks a lot to your dedication. Is that <laughs> you're willing to, you know, like you said, lose a lot of money yeah. perhaps on a video. Is that, so those teams, you know, are those your friends that you've met along the way or yeah. are they like hired professionals? Or Yeah, I mean, just connections I've made. So, um, yeah, maybe they started out as friends or they started out as non-friends and then they we just became friends right. but I, I've experimented with a lot of different videographers um, and I'm very particular on like what I like and want in this style mm -hmm. and also I wanted people who are kind of familiar with the Air Force or the military right. like it's really hard if you bring someone who's never been on a flight line to a military flight line because they can get yelled at or tackled by security <laughs> forces for breaking a red line right. or doing something they shouldn't so the team I have now are all actually former Air Force um, you know they served and so but they're also very very talented at videography and and stuff like that so i can trust them when they're out there right but they're also able to kind of learn from me in my particular style i want and i'm also always looking for new people to bring um sometimes like i'll be at a local base and it doesn't make sense to pay someone one of my team members to or another person i mean to travel across the country right. for like a one day thing so mm -hmm. i might ask if there's anyone local who wants to kind of like help out stuff yeah. like that it all depends yeah right. Is that, did you ever have like a barrier where you were hesitant to hand off, I guess like this is your passion, right? Yeah. You know, hand off that creative control to someone else. So I really don't hand off the creative control. So I still do all of my editing. I put quotations around that because like for some of my like TikTok stuff, like I can outsource that if right. it's like an Instagram reel, but like the actual YouTube product you're doing, like that is heavily like my eyes are on that. Like got it. I still edit almost everything. I just now started to bring on someone that helps me kind of cut through the clips and just take a lot of the front end time off, right. which is like cutting and matching sequences. But like the storytelling is still heavily me. Um, and I will not post something unless it's like perfectly up to standards as well. Same reason like I've had brands kind of reach out to want me to sponsor a video or do something. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that because it does not make sense for this type of right. content I'm doing. Like this was never a money grab for me. This was just a way to keep doing what I'm doing. And I've realized now that I do need to make a little money to be able to actually make this sustainable. Right. Um, you know, all this content is free, right? You just yep. go click on YouTube. It's like, well, I can't keep like, it's, you know how expensive it is to go out to Hawaii for like five people and shoot sure. a video. Yeah, yeah, I've had to, so I have to find ways to kind of creatively do that and lucky to have some partners like like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin be able to kind of help out with that. Yeah. So you, you keep mentioning the word story. Yeah. Like, do you see your videos or I guess your content in general as a story? Or yeah. Because I know a lot of people uh, that I know that watch your videos, they think of them more as like information, like documentaries type things. Yeah. Do you really see them as stories? I like to say they're a blend of like educational content plus like entertaining content. Right. So I used to, when I very first started, I made several videos that was like, why you should join the Air Force, me sitting in my studio, or like, here's how to be a pilot, or I even made like a talking about ROTC video. And those were good, and I'm glad I made them, and they're searchable and will be out there for years to come. Right. Like, my how to be an Air Force pilot video has like, 
one and a half million views. And that, do you know how many kids that's helped just like learn about the right. pilot process? But my, my end goal was not to just do content like that. It was to actually be out there flying an aircraft uh, on Navy ships, boats, whatever you want to call it, right. doing in-person stuff. So um, the storytelling is like how I weave it all together. But I mean, yeah, when you're watching it, I, I don't care how you what you classify it as, right. story, documentary, vlog, entertaining, whatever. Um, to me, though, I mean, you, you don't have an engaging video. You don't have a video that does well if it's not a good story. Like, yeah. there has to be a begin, middle, end, stakes, tension, conflict, resolution. And that's hard sometimes because yeah. you got to find a way to weave all that in while also battling attention span because viewers on social media right now have a million <laughs> reasons to click off. Yep. And it's like, got to hook people. And so, yeah, I balance all that. Nice. Do, you, do you find, like, with the attention span and all that, that short form does better? Or is that... yeah something that you've had to embrace or <sighs> yeah short form is an interesting thing so short form for people who don't know what we're talking about that's like your tiktoks your 60 second vertically cut videos if you've watched youtube shorts instagram, instagram reels that's that's short form um and I, I do think short form is good in that it's good to give people like if you're on the go you probably don't have time to sit down and watch a 15 minute right. video but if you got like five minutes to spare you can like swipe through tiktok that's why i do stuff like that to give people a way to see my stuff but YouTube has always been like the bread and butter for me. And the right. reason for that is because when someone watches my video for 15 minutes, they know me, they get the theme, the, they, get, they, they leave that video feeling so much more than they do for someone who watches a 30-second TikTok of me. Right. So, for example, a lot of creators are like getting thousands and millions of subscribers from YouTube shorts, but then when they post a long-form video, it will have like less than 1,000 views. And that's because someone who subscribes to you from a 30-second video is not the same as someone who subscribes to you from watching a 15-minute right. video. So in terms of why this is important for me, in terms of building a community, mm -hmm. the long-form videos are way, way more impactful. And so that, at least for now, unless something drastic changes, I'm focusing on the long-form videos because right. it really builds an audience. It really helps, you know, in terms of inspiring people to join the military, sure, a short-form video might hit three, four, five million views, and that's awesome. And right. it might click, okay, yeah, maybe some people are like thinking, ooh, the Air Force is cool. But even 100,000 views on a long-form video, I guarantee you, gets more people to actually sign up and more people to actually decide right. on the military because they're really engaged and they, they get to see an actual story. So, yeah, um, short-form's there. It's not going away, and right. I, I play into it, but like, I am not a short-form creator. I'm a long-form creator, and then I also like cut up and repurpose the long-form into short-form stuff. Right. I know some content creators are long form, but then they purposely make short form. Yeah, and I do that too. Like some of my TikToks, like I'll do that. And I think that's probably something I can get better at, but it's just like, it's so hectic when I'm out there filming these mm -hmm. videos. Like a lot of the times I've got like a day, half a day to film an right. entire video. So I, I don't always have time to make five or six short form, even one short form right. dedicated. It's just like, you got to move on and do yeah. other things. So I've kind of just like repurposed the long form. But yeah, I think that's something I could look at doing is like doing more short form. I can bring you on. How about you come with me? I'm down. And your whole job is to just I'll be there. help me make the short form videos. That's what I need. I need a short form creative, a part of the I'll team. I'll be that guy. <laughs> Dude, I need it. We'll have to see if your ROTC commander will let you take some personal leave for like, oh. you know, a few days every month. I'll just go. I'll just go. <laughs> You'll just go. I'll You're I'll like, just, I'm out. Yeah. I'll just, you know, it's whatever. Um, train of thought and then you completely threw it off i, I derailed it right there gotcha um no but so you know you're out of the air force now you're focusing on all these other projects mm -hmm. and again if this isn't okay to talk about why did you leave 
Yeah, no, it's absolutely okay to talk about. Um, It boiled down to, and this might sound cliche in some sort of way, but like, I'm serious because I loved my time in the Air Force, but it started to get to the point where I had to make the decision of like, okay, where am I actually best serving the Air Force? Because like I said, I was so passionate about the recruiting and the making these videos and they were getting millions and millions of views, but I was still having to balance my Air Force active duty public affairs job. I was at Scott Air Force Base at the time Mm -hmm. at the wing doing that job and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't lacking. Like I said to you earlier in this conversation, my number one goal is to continue crushing it in that job. And it got to the point where one of them was gonna have to sacrifice. Either I wasn't gonna be able to make the best videos or I wasn't gonna be able to be the best public affairs. So I started to think, I was like, okay, how am I actually best serving the Air Force? Is it in my public affairs job? Which in my mind, I probably was placeable by another public affairs officer who right. could do the job um, or is it where I really think I have the opportunity to hit millions of people on a monthly basis right. making videos inspiring them to join the Air Force so ultimately it boiled down to that I think I can better serve the Air Force and like have a bigger effect on the next generation of airmen mm-hmm. by being out of the Air Force right. making this content full-time so and so if you've seen like I have not filmed a video in uniform in almost two years like I made that transition well before I left because I didn't want to tie myself to the Air Force for multiple reasons one of them being when I got out I didn't want people to be like yo what and then two I didn't want people to see me as like some Air Force propaganda spokesperson so when I'm in civilian clothes that you're a lot more relatable to kids it's like Mm -hmm. they see themselves like oh okay that's just like another guy Um, And so, yeah, I mean, most people now who watch my videos actually don't even know I was in the Air Force unless you go back on my other videos. Now, people who have been around since the demo team days clearly understand. But but yeah, man, so that that was why I decided to do it. And I'm still new. And, you know, I I always said it's either I'm going homeless or I'm making it big time. We'll see. It's one of the two. So I'll let you know. I'll report back on on where it is. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, You know, you mentioned that uh, you're serving still. Yeah. I think that's really good way of looking at it yeah 100 percent. Um, i'm still serving yeah because a lot of cadets here you know it's either air force you know it's either military or bus you mm-hmm. know? you're not doing you're not serving if you're not in the military yeah and i think that you're a prime example of how you can help you know the, the country i guess you could say even when you're not in uniform yeah well on that so because again i get a lot of questions from kids who want to join the military but maybe can't because they're not medically qualified Mm -hmm. like i think i saw a stat the other day that something ridiculous like 80 percent of the u.s population is not like medically qualified to be in the military and so you know some of that maybe they can get in shape but a lot of it it's like no actually they like can't join they have asthma or something and so you can absolutely still serve by not being active duty Mm -hmm. as you'll find out when you guys go on active duty there's a huge huge civilian workforce that are you know government employees gs system you'll, you know that are that are in the military at the air force you know and, and they're they they run the air force in my mind right. like the highest ranking person in the air force is not our four-star general it's the secretary of the air force right, right who's above above him so um they're the continuity to and like military people move around every two years mm-hmm. like these civilians have been in these positions for 10 15 right. 20 straight years and really helped and then outside of that you know you talked about earlier how you were interviewing with like raytheon for an internship like you can work for these defense contractors like lockheed martin raytheon boeing honeywell BAE. i mean t- literally tons of different right. systems right and or, or companies and, and that goes directly to like literally this f-35 does not get made without our civilian workers at lockheed right. martin um and they're as much serving in my mind 
or maybe I should say they're as much important as important as these active duty people mm-hmm. as well. Um, the thing with being active duty, it's just like, hey, you're on you're on call twenty four seven. You can be deployed in a moment's notice. You get called to do things that you can't as a civilian, and there's definitely nothing to take away there. I mean, that's a big big time commitment. But if you want to serve, you aren't qualified for that. And there are a million other ways and things you can still do. Right. Um, you know, my roommate is going uh, is doing pre med right now. Nice. And so, you know, he always, like, as a joke, I mean, he means it, but he says, like, thank you for your service. And walk in, back in uh, with uniform on. And I think, man, he's a university EMT. Yeah. You know, he is, oh, and we make a lot of fun of him for it because he's, you know, doing a job without getting paid, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that is a big sacrifice, you know, and it's, interesting to think that the military is the one that gets you know the thank you for your services whereas yeah. you know firefighters you know emts mm-hmm. teachers they do all this amazing service i would say it looked maybe more than the military yeah and they don't get that same recognition yeah i think that was one i don't know if positive's the word but thing that came out of covid is like we actually started recognizing like the first responders right. and people more and, and now you kind of heard the term like military and first responders almost in the same sentence um yeah absolutely and like it's funny you mentioned like getting thanked for your service as a cadet like you guys are probably like oh don't thank me i haven't done anything yet but but honestly no you've signed up to join and you know i, I always was told hey if you're thanked for your service even when i would get thanked for my service like as a public affairs officer right. i'm like i'm not like doing anything super dangerous it's like no well they're thanking you on behalf of all the other people who are deployed downrange, overseas right. etc and so you're just like you know they, they don't know the difference they look at you and they think you know you're one of them and in some ways you are i mean you're making sacrifices so just like taking that thanks on behalf of all the people who really right. you know should be getting the thanks it's a good thing yeah, i think that has to do with you're always Air Force. No yeah. matter if you're like you, you separated. Yeah. I think part of the Air Force will always still be in you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? I mean, <laughs> you're probably going to tell you know people down the road that I was Air Force. And they're going <laughs> to probably look at you with more respect for that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's just interesting to think about. You know, the military is seen in such a high regard. Um, and the public affairs side of it helps that so much. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think I saw it, especially during the last presidential election, not to get political, but, you know, the military gets thrown in here and there on both sides, you know. It's interesting how much, like, in the military, that doesn't matter. You know, for instance, you and me, we don't look anything alike. However, we we're able to sit here and have this conversation. Yeah. You know, um, me and my friends here at the detachment, don't share the same beliefs and yet we are able to have these conversations um, and I think that's a real testament to the military as a whole mm-hmm. as a representation of America that all these people mesh so well and um, it's opened my mind this is a long way way of saying it's opened my mind to how together we all are um, and I don't know if you felt that in the military um, but you know that cliche of army making fun of air force you know mm-hmm. navy making fun of everyone and all that stuff in that at the end of the day you know we're all doing the same thing and um, i think a good way of giving back even if you're not doing rotc or military or anything like that go out and volunteer right food banks always need help um, animal shelters i used to do that um, they always need help as well 
when you know your dad was in the air force but i don't think that was your big push was it to join the air force yeah i mean it was definitely some inspiration but at the end of the day you know it's my life and Mm -hmm. i didn't want to just make a decision based on him and he also didn't ever push me to go so that kind of introduced me to it but um but yeah, just what you were saying earlier, I mean, it's, it's no secret the Air Force is, is a family, right? right? And for people who separate and leave, that's like the biggest thing they miss is like that family, that culture, that mm-hmm. everyone's in, the, in it together, similar right. shared experiences. And you can't really get that in other typical jobs, right? So I always tell people like, even if you aren't sure you want to do a whole career in the Air Force, that's fine. Like, even if you just do your minimum four years for ROTC, like that's still okay. You serve your country, right. check the box, move on to the next thing in life. Like that's an amazing experience that you'll no one will ever take away from you. And right. Even if you like, for some reason, don't like it at all, like I think you'll still leave with some valuable life lessons and experiences that right. you can just take with you forever. You know, life lessons like you just mentioned the soft skills obviously really hard to quantify mm-hmm. but the growth that i personally have experienced from my 100 year, year to now i mean i'm completely unrecognizable just because yeah. of the soft skills you know <laughs> sitting here talking to you and we just met like maybe like i don't know like today yeah maybe. literally um and so we're able to sit down have this conversation i'm able to stand up in front of a bunch of people and yeah talk when before i would just Shut yeah down completely oh um, <laughs> you're killing it man thank you yeah, that's um, awesome to hear yeah but uh did you ever feel like the air force um did you ever feel like there was a place where the air force could have helped you maybe a little bit more um how so like in terms of what i guess just like your personal growth career-wise anything like that yeah i mean i always looked at it as not like what the air force can do for me more like what i can do for the air force i think people kind of get stuck into that they expect the air force to do certain things for them and i think like on paper they're already doing a ton for you like all the health care is free for you and your guaranteed paychecks and your housing allowance and whatever and your base preferences and pairing two mill-to-mill spouses together and kids and whatever i mean they do a lot for you and so I, I always looked at it as like, how can I do more for the Air Force, but mm-hmm. also like, how can I achieve my goals without needing to feel like someone needs to do it for me? Right. And that, I think in general, my humble advice, I think is a better way to go about it because when you sit and expect certain things and wait for the Air Force to support you, it's like, no one's going to care more about you than you and so you should be the one making it happen not waiting for someone else to make it happen which i think you'd agree with i know that probably was exactly what you were getting at but that's more of the philosophy i operated under yeah and i think that if you do just wait sit and wait for someone to help you start getting complacent yourself exactly and it might never come that's the thing exactly yeah you can't ever expect anything from anyone because like you said you know they're their most important people um and you know to me Last semester I was a flight commander, so uh, as I was mentioning earlier to you, uh, you know, training cadets and all that, mm-hmm. and the whole sacrifice thing, you know, everyone says it, but you don't really feel it. I feel like a lot of the times, last semester is when I really felt it um, because you know there were times where I was fighting up my chain for my cadets, you know, and it's like it's one of those things where you don't realize it's happening until mm-hmm. you know after the fact, uh, where you have to you know, maybe look bad. I won't say bad, but look a little bit, you know. Oh, okay, I guess I'm saying bad. But you're, <laughs> you're going to look uh, in a negative way because you're fighting for the health of your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that 
it's a big thing you know officership is that and i guess you can speak more to this is that you're caring about people more than you know realistically they're the ones doing the mission mm-hmm. you're just caring about them. Mm-hmm. yeah that's the role of the officer to right. take to keep to take care of the people under you right mm-hmm. and a lot of the times that means going to bat for them even when that might make you look bad right. or, or annoy people yep. your peers and you know that ultimately boils down to what makes an effective leader is what you're willing to do for the people under you um, but it's hard because it's not just sticking up for them sometimes it's going back to them and and telling them they're wrong and telling right. them they need to fix something and not just blindly listening to them and you know that's what you guys are learning here in ROTC hopefully it's like how to be a good leader but you can never really learn it until you actually get into the real world and experience it and so it will take time and it's an incredibly valuable thing like the Air Force is the only the military I guess is the only career field where you have as an officer at a age 22 23 right. the the the, the power of leadership like right. literally like you you're entrusted with all these people under you and i mean you can be a finance officer managing millions of dollars right. or contracting or finance or aircraft maintenance literally helping supervise the airmen who are working on these fighter jets right. that pilots will literally have to be able to land and be safe i mean it's tremendous responsibility you're entrusted with as a young officer and so you definitely don't want to take that for granted is that ever something that you battled with you know being scared of that responsibility no i mean i was never scared it was just like hey i have a responsibility i need to take this seriously um hopefully you know you'll come out of here prepared and ready and understanding that responsibility Mm -hmm. that you have um yeah maybe a little been a little nervous at times a little little pressure but uh yes performing well under pressure is something you should be comfortable with as as an officer so that's something that i think um field training Yes, uh, for sure. Does uh, exactly. So I went this last summer. And speaking about you know taking care of your people, my CTA, I will never forget this. This image is burned in my mind. But he absolutely laid it onto this flight commander, uh, not our flight commander, but a different one, because uh, one of our cadets uh, was on crutches at the time, and she uh, got onto the grass for them to make their way through, mm-hmm. and he just laid into them. Mm. Uh, whereas you know previously. We thought of him like, oh, great, here he comes. You know, he's going to come and yell at us. Yeah. But I think all of us seeing that, seeing him, seeing how much he cared, mm-hmm. it really like, touched us, I guess. Yeah. Um, and field training again for, you know, cadets who haven't gone, you know, two weeks, it seems like really short. Mm-hmm. Realistically, it's a pretty long time. Yeah. Because the days are long. Um, and learning how people work in really stressful environments is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. me personally I don't think you know I didn't do that great I didn't do bad but I didn't do that great you know um, and I could have prepared better and all that but seeing how these people excel in these pressured environments with people they just met right I think that's something that you probably have experienced while shooting videos right? <laughs> yeah you or I guess shooting this podcast right now we just met I think we're doing a pretty good job yeah Um. so you know, is there a mindset that you have where, you know, everyone's going to be my friend or I'm going to be nice to everybody? Or is, how does that work? Yeah, well, I work with people who, you know, when you put a camera in their face, it's like the first time they've ever experienced that. Right. And so it's a lot of pressure and they don't know how to act. So I always try to kind of like set the, the tone that I'm, it's a super chill environment. I try to make everyone feel comfortable. 
Um, if they mess up, it's like no biggie. Let's try again. Um, but yeah, it's challenging. So I really just try to, like I said, set the tone, model that example of behavior from the beginning and let people know they're like, hey, we're friendly. We're not enemies here. It's right. super okay. And then also just realizing that everyone's different. Like you said, some mm -hmm. people are super comfortable. Some people nail it in a second and that's great. And then some people are the exact opposite. So you have to like not get frustrated. You have to realize everyone's different and make sure you're taking the time to explain it in different ways because some people learn differently as well. Right. Um, and just as a leader, that's a big thing too. It's like, hey, all your airmen are going to be different. If you tell the same thing to one airman, the other airman might not understand that. You got to be patient, adapt, make sure you're giving everyone your individual treatment right. to make sure that they can, you know, kind of understand. So. Right. Well, I guess speaking of understanding, is there. You know, you shot that video with the Navy on the Sea King, I believe it is. Right? Uh, sea Dragon, sea but dragon. there's a Sea Dragon King style. It's all the same. Yeah. Big helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there, was there a culture shock for you there when working with these Navy people, uh, as opposed to you know working with the Air Force? Yeah, I mean honestly, no. Like the military is very similar. Like Army, Air Force, Navy, they have a couple things that you know whatever right. but it's like pretty much the same so that was really cool it's like hey we're different colors but we're all the same right you know deep down and now they welcomed me in and it was it was great so um i sometimes have you know don't tell the air force i said this right <laughs> but it's almost sometimes more fun to shoot with other services because it's new for me as well right. so it's not like you know the same kind of thing and I, I enjoy those a ton yeah yeah you get to learn that culture yep um you know this last summer before i went to field training i was at a junior ROTC camp as a uh, CTO there, like, you know, mm -hmm. yelling at them all day and all that fun stuff. Nice. Uh, but we had two Army cadets, uh, two Army ROTC cadets uh, who were in my squadron. So I was their squadron commander. They were the flight commanders. And watching them having to adapt to Air Force, like, drill yeah. was really, <laughs> really cool. Yeah, um, that's funny. That very first morning, I would never forget. I guess the army puts their guides right next to their mm -hmm. flight commanders or whatever it's called in the army. Um, and I had to go in there and be like, no, the guy's at the front of formation, Air Force. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And that open-mindedness, learning so much uh, in that short amount of time about their stuff. Um, I saw a story that one of the other army cadets posted. They went rocking <laughs> like yesterday morning or something. I couldn't do that. Yeah. You know? I don't think I could do that. Um, I think you could. Come on, man. Give yourself some credit. You I it. think I could, but my feet yeah, just you might, die. You might not make it, but you can <laughs> try. Yeah. I can start. <laughs> you I can don't know start. About yeah. Shit. I haven't done a ruck run in a minute. You've done one before. Yeah, we did them at the academy all the time. Yeah. That was oh. a unfortunate thing that came with going there. Yeah. <laughs> was that, was that like, um, do you think the weather there is a lot to get adjusted to what's the altitude you're at right. seven thousand two hundred and something feet above mm -hmm. sea level far far above that of west point or annapolis <laughs> uh, anyway but yeah so you have to like literally be battling getting acclimated right. to the altitude so they actually have like conversions so i think on the air force fitness test there's altitude conversions so oh, nice. an eight minute mile at the air force academy is different than an eight-minute mile here in Texas. You know what I mean? So faster mile or slower mile? Well, yeah. If you if you run, it's harder to run. Oh faster. yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, so. there's less air. Right. So for example, like an eight thirty might be equivalent to an eight-minute right. mile here. I don't know what the exact conversion is, but yeah. Very cool. I think um, not. I think, but I volunteered to go be a CTA at their prep academy. Oh, the did academy you did prep. you do that already, or is that upcoming? Uh, that's upcoming. Nice. So yeah, the P. That. Yeah, that's so, awesome. What is that like? Um. So the prep school is for 
a lot of prior enlisted, a lot mm-hmm. of applicants who maybe didn't have the academics to get directly into the academy. Right. So they send them to the prep school, which is just like three miles south of campus. Um, they spend a, it's like a 10 month program. So they spend a year there working on the classes, working on the academics, getting accustomed to the military life so that then when they go to the academy the following year, they're right. like set up for success. And a lot of them do really, really well because maybe they're former enlisted or something. And right. they, like my first roommate at the academy was a prep school candidate. And he like taught me how to make my bed and like square the corners and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the basic training is like a modified Air Force Academy basic training. So just a couple weeks down there, you'll just be, you know, helping teach a lot of the times civilians, but a lot of times people who are enlisted kind of getting indoctrinated into right. the, the, the military lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that would be awesome for you. Very big leadership. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Uh, Colorado for a month I guess it is yeah have some fun man what do you recommend to do there oh man there's a lot to do well it's in Colorado Springs so that's like booming now so right off the main gate there you'll drive and there's tons of places to eat hang out um uh so yeah just see the area garden of the gods parks beautiful pikes peak the broadmoor resort just walk around there it's gorgeous you know if you've got like a long weekend you can go up to Denver and hang out lots of things to do there catch a concert at Red Rocks go to a Rockies game I mean dude it's endless Colorado's right. amazing yeah is it so I guess you know do you get more freedom not freedom I don't want to say freedom but <laughs> do you get more privileges as you uh, go up in the classes at yeah the 100% freshman year you essentially have no privileges and then sophomore year you have slightly more privileges right junior year you're able to like get a car get more passes potentially stay out overnight and then senior year um, it's pretty much the most privileges you'll have which is not unlimited but it's like hey they trust you and you have more passes to go out and um by that point you know they're preparing you to be an officer so they're not trying to treat you as like a kindergartner (laughs) (laughs) so for one of your videos you i think you said you deployed to thailand yeah well yeah so it was part of my air force non-demo team job i went there for a big exercise um it's called cobra gold so it's the world's largest military exercise in terms of other nations being a part of it, tons of different countries. And so, yeah, I spent a summer in Thailand helping run the joint communication stuff. So I led a team of airmen who were shooting different content out there, and that was an amazing opportunity, yeah. So I didn't even know that Thailand was an American ally until I saw your video. Yeah, big Um, big American ally. Like, it's so they don't have an Air Force base there, but they have, like, several Marine bases and Army, and they, like, um, you know, partner with them yeah they're big big ally yeah how was that working with uh, a completely different military yeah well anytime you get to work in a joint environment it's always rewarding like it's and you'll have if you're in the air force long enough you'll definitely have the opportunity to work in a joint environment so for me it was really kind of the first time like yeah maybe i did a couple videos with the navy but this was like not not video stuff this was for my air force job and it was uh it was i was awesome especially when you're like halfway across the world it's like I don't know. You just feel a little more sense of pride being an American and like right. all being together. And um, yeah, it was a great summer. Was that, uh, you know, I asked about the culture with the Navy and all that. Yeah. Was there any culture shocks you got from the Thai military? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know. They just do things different. There's a language barrier, right. but they're just so excited to see us and we're excited to see them. So I'd like, you know, I worked with the Thai Air Force public affairs team. Mm. You know, we're exchanging patches, stuff like that. <laughs> so no, it was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. When I look back at my Air Force career, like obviously I've done a lot of cool things, but like that summer in Thailand is one that really sticks out. It's right. awesome. It's interesting, you know, you always, all these good stories you have, um, they always have to do with people. And it's <laughs> Maybe never, so. yeah. it's never to do with you know, where you are. 
or what you're doing, but it's always the people that you're with. And I think yeah. that, that speaks a lot to them. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you can always take a vacation and go somewhere, but it's like, yeah, you can't recreate the people you're with or the mission you're working on. Right. And that's always what sticks out to me. It's not like where I am or, oh, I had this hotel room or this <laughs> pool or something right. like that. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I think I think that's a good way to look at life in general. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the people are what make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you asked me earlier if I'm going to miss the detachment. Yeah. You know, the building is a building. I'm going to miss the people. <laughs> it's building, maybe not. But the people, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an okay building. Yeah, but it's, the it's people, a pretty nice building, yeah. The people are what make an organization. Yep. You know, more than a, I don't know, more than a patch, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and that's something that we've had to deal with here at this detachment is a culture shift that we've had. Um, and it's nobody's, it's not really anyone's fault. But um, the previous culture was, you know, POC are very divided from the GMC you know we would um, never like intermix with each other it's just the, the, the attitude that it was mm-hmm. is that POC don't talk to GMC mm-hmm. uh, POC don't hang out with them outside of a lab or anything like that whereas now you know I go into the hangar before a lab and I can talk with anyone because I'm friends with almost everybody here um is a culture shift something that you've ever dealt with or had to in- initiate in a team that you led or yeah i mean i think everyone deals with that i mean yeah culture shifts all the time especially in the military you'll get like new people coming in like you'll realize every literally month there's new people rotating right. in and out that's just how the military works so you're you're having to learn how to what to do with new people mm-hmm. maybe there's a couple problem people or some gossip going on you right. got to figure out or um yeah, I mean, at the academy, we dealt with that all the time. You know, we'd have student-athletes who maybe were not as a part of the cadet squadrons as non-athletes were, and I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of different culture issues that you'll face, but a lot of the time it's like, hey, you'll you'll learn how to fix those. You'll learn how to address them, um, and it's all, it's all a big learning process. I mean, literally, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm just excited for, for you and all the other cadets out there to, yeah. like, to actually like experience it. You're in the leadership lab right now. Right. It's like, let's go into the actual real world, right. and you're going to be ready to go, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, that's something I told my cadets last semester, and I hope uh, any other cadets that are – GMC, especially if you're listening to this, that I told my cadets is here at Lab, the worst consequence you get is paperwork. <laughs> or, yep. you know, you get yelled at. Whereas, big Air Force, the worst consequence that happens when you're in command is someone could die. Yeah. Right. And so, I really want to encourage GMC cadets, POC as well, take those risks. You know, really tune it here when it really doesn't matter what mm-hmm. the consequences are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have our cadet positions here on public affairs. This semester, last semester, I was a flight commander. How does that work at USAFA? Is that like um, something, you know, are there those teams like that? Yeah, or? it's actually very similar. So we're the whole cadet wing is just like kind of an ROTC detachment. You've got the cadet wing commander who's in charge of all 4,000 cadets. Wow. You've got group staff. Then you've got 40 different cadet squadrons all with about 100, 120 cadets wow. each. So we've got 4,000 total students. And then you've got your squadron commanders, your flight commanders, your group, your, your element leaders. Right. And then it even goes down from there. And then you've got your individual positions. Like I was public affairs for my squadron. You've got Stan Val, You've got Snacko. You've got all. You've got all of them. So it's very similar. Um, modeled is like a real Air Force right. wing. Yeah. So does that 
cadet wing commander get uh, elected or how does that work so they apply so they okay. they're not like voted on by the cadet wing we have like our permanent party which is our team of officers so there's a three-star general in charge of the academy and wow. then there's a one-star in charge of the cadet wing is the commandant and then they've got different officers out there so they'll apply and be interviewed and are selected by the the officer group leadership. Okay, yeah. so it's a very similar to how we do it. Yeah, I think that they operate. I mean, that's what I'm saying. RCC and Academy operate very very similar. It's just one's a little bit more day to day militarily right. involved, like literally every day, <laughs> and then um, just on like a bigger scale, like four thousand cadets versus right. like you guys here have like seventy five or something. So yeah. Have you ever gone to like one of those? military academies not academies but uh, military schools yeah i've been to like a lot of them i've been to citadel and uh marion military randolph macon i've just in all of our airships we stop by them and um so they operate a little differently like what a lot of people don't know is like they don't a lot of them don't join the military like Mm -hmm. you're not in rotc if you go there now you can be but it's like the kind of the air like uh, texas a&m the corps of cadets like a big chunk of those cadets don't actually join the military it's just like the military environment, the culture, the military school. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Sam, we've talked so much about the military and all that. I kind of want to shift from that, move more into personal stuff. Yeah. First, this is a burning question. Yeah. And uh, one of the cadets you saw earlier wanted me to ask you this. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm a massive Star Wars fan. Okay. Like, huge. And that's funny you asked that. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that about me, but, like, during COVID, my little brother, like, really got me into Star Wars, and so I'm, like, a super Star Wars fan, and, like, like I'm the person who's watched, like, all the Clone Wars shows, I've, nice. like, 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 I'm in on it, so, yeah, big, big Star Wars guy, and I can talk Star Wars all day long. Now, Star Trek's cool, too, but I'm not, like, a nerd, like, I've watched, like, the new movies, and Swain's a big Star Trek guy, but, um, Star Wars, 100%. I've watched the new Star Trek movies too, but yeah, I you know I'm so happy you said Star Wars. And was he a Star Trek guy? Was he thinking I was gonna no, say that? No, he's a Star Wars too, but it's just like uh, I didn't know that you were so into it. Oh, dude, huge! I love Star Wars. That's yeah. amazing. You know what? That personality, or the personality that you have, yeah. you know, a lot of it. I mean, your videos they show off a lot of it. But this <laughs> side of you is not something that's seen a lot. So, what yeah. are some other things that maybe we don't know? Oh man. Um, okay, so I love to travel, which I think you know, but a lot of like my videos are more of like maybe not the most crazy locations, right. like Cannon Air Force Base in the middle of New Mexico. <laughs> Nothing against that. It was great. Loved it. Um, but yeah, so I just got back from Honduras doing a scuba diving trip, which was fun. Very so nice. Swain and I love to travel and do scuba diving and different adventures all over the world. We spent a week in the Amazon rainforest, deep in the Amazon in Brazil right. last year, and that was crazy. Um, both of us want to go to Antarctica really bad, um, stuff like that. So that's big, big music guy. I love going to different concerts. Um, I was like a band kid in high school, so you know, you know it's, it's saw, big in Texas. So. I saw that video of that homecoming oh okay well that's a little different that's not yeah that there you go you can watch that if you scroll scroll way way back all the way down so you know how big homecoming is in like texas oh yeah the mom and garters and like band two bands huge thing here so yeah i did band i I still play guitar now and that was fun um i don't know yeah i like a lot of things video games dude so that's the one thing i'm like i'm not i just for me i just really don't have the time but I love playing, like, for example, I played, like, the Star Wars Fallen Order game. That was sick. I know there's another one coming out. I know there's, like, that new, like, this new, like, Harry Potter legacy game coming in. Like, that looks cool. Like, I would play those because I like the context of them, and I'd sit down. But, like, I was never, you know, 
I, I don't know. I wouldn't call myself like a big gamer just because I don't have as much time as I'd like. But, but now maybe I can have a little more time. Actually, no, I'm busier now that I'm out. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, good question. I think. Uh, I think. Again, I'm gonna say prime example again, but yeah. Uh, the fact that the military is not this robotic yeah. you know force and that people do have lives yeah uh, outside of it mm-hmm. you know some of the cadets here you know they paint you know, nice. they, they sing uh one of our uh lieutenants who graduated from here he uh plays the guitar very well and he sings very well awesome um you know you don't have to fit into a mold yeah. to join uh the military and mm-hmm. i think that's again another great thing about it is that anybody can be here yeah, literally anyone. You know, and um, I think that's something that gets lost in a lot of people, especially with, uh, you know, the whole push with um, diversity inclusive, is that it's not necessarily to get, to meet a quota, mm-hmm. right? It's to reach out to those communities that so- often get underserved and bring that talent in, you know, because a lot of those people don't even know, again, that this opportunity exists. And um, again, the job of public affairs huh. is to bring that to yeah. light, right? Um, and is that something that you saw, like a twinkle in a little kid's eye, <laughs> that this is what I want to do? Yeah, I mean, I, hundred percent. I, I, I mean, you said that really well. I'm just like smiling over here. You know, like you're, you're a good PA. Are you sure? If pilot doesn't work out for you, man. Know, PA, we'll PA might be your calling. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I. Anytime I hear someone that's seen my videos or whatever's kind of inspired them to want to join, right. it makes this literally all worth it. And I just want to do more and more of that. And it's my motivation. And, you know, like even the example of this podcast, you kind of saw my stuff and you kind of reached out. Right. And now we're making this happen. Hopefully people will see this. And yep. to you and everyone watching all your careers, like always take the time to help someone else out and mm-hmm. answer their questions because military is confusing. ROTC is confusing. Right. Like it might not seem confusing to you now that you've been in it, but like, just imagine how confused you were and you, when you were trying to figure out how to apply, how to get a scholarship, yep. how to, like, it's like, whoosh. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, with the recent F-22 stuff. Yes. Uh, balloons and all that stuff. Yes. That must have been very exciting. Exciting, but also, like, what the heck is going on? Right. Kind of scary. Um, it's funny. I mean, the F-22's been around for over 20 years, and its first air-to-air kill came from shooting a balloon out right. of the sky and then not one but two well, i don't even know if they've said the other ones are balloons i think they're just like unidentified right. objects right now but yeah it was cool i um just i knew a couple of the guys that were up there flying that mission because the first one it was langley where right. my first base was so i'm just you know they released the cockpit inter- pilot intercom uh-huh. like audio of it and i was just laughing at them because they probably got a big kick out of that <laughs> finally able to shoot something down yeah it must be uh whoever that PAOs over there that must be yeah they were probably busy answering a ton of calls I'm Uh, not envious of them I remember those days (laughs) we were all just huddled by the phone we had like a team of eight people answering calls oh New York Times NBC CBS Fox it's like whoa 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 you're just having to like give them information it's cool though yeah Yeah. I guess you have to filter that information and all that yeah you gotta filter it make sure it's accurate we have like our holding statement that we'll release and then it's really cool to just see like you'll go home and then like quote you on the news that right. day. it's like oh, oh sam Ackholm, spokesman for langley air force base says that the pilot you know it's crazy <laughs> right. yeah so i guess to wrap up sam in your creative life and in personal life and all that you know criticism comes up a lot i bet uh, especially with the creative side of things and how do you deal with that personally yeah so 
one, and it took me a while to realize this, but now I'm pretty good at it, is no matter what you're going to do, some people are going to be upset by it, whether right. that's just pure jealousy or whatever. I mean, most people, when they are going to leave a comment or something, like they're not leaving a comment to say something positive. It's more like you're taking the time to write something negative. Right. Think of like a Yelp review. Usually you go to review something if it's like negative, right. not positive. So you're never going to please everyone. Um, one other thing I realized too is like, it's funny to me, like, if someone leaves a negative comment, I'm literally like, you didn't pay to watch this. This is a free piece of content that right. I actually spent 100 hours of my own time and money on. Like, that I get, if you don't like it, then go to something else. Like, right. literally, come on. Like, I spent so much time. It's not like a movie where you're maybe paying or whatever. And right. It's like, this is free. Come on, man. So, I really just don't let it get to me because I know that if I did let it get to me, then I would have stopped and then I would have gave those haters what they want. And now, luckily, I... Hopefully, I don't have too many haters out there. I try to make my videos where, like, anyone can enjoy it. But right. even with that, you're going to have people who get annoyed or whatever. Right. So, you know, just don't let it bother me. Realize that if I give into it, then I'm giving them exactly what they want. And then also realizing that you can never make everyone happy. So just kind of tune it out and focus on the million messages. You do get a positive stuff, mm -hmm. not the couple of negative is it's what's worked for me. Right. Well, there must be some times where that criticism has led to a positive growth. Yeah, no, all the time. I mean, I, I definitely look at all of it because I think that's a good way to get feedback. Mm -hmm. um, it's just filtering what feedback is good feedback versus you can just ignore this and right. that's irrelevant. And yeah, so I've made changes and I'm always tailoring my stuff and style and content and trying to fine tune it. It's always mm -hmm. a work in progress. You think you're ever going to find the perfect style? Um, no, because I think if you find a perfect style, then you're not really doing your job because things are always evolving right. like it might be my perfect style for like this month and then stuff changes trends change right. people change the algorithm changes mm -hmm. you know you kind of got to figure it out yeah right i guess you were mentioning short form yeah exactly your style but you embraced it exactly so all right well sam thank you so much yeah. for being here this was a fun one it was and uh Thank you for driving all the way up here. Yeah, is there like a, uh, what's the UNT hand thing that no one, that the kid out there was like, I don't like to do? Let's see, uh, like, what can I, how can I, we sign off here? I think it's this. Again, I don't go. That's like TCU almost. It's I like don't know what it is. Okay, we'll leave that out. I think we'd get people Go mean green. <laughs> um, thanks for having me. Best of luck to everyone. Yes, and uh, it was a pleasure. Yes, sir. All right, man. You.